so as we come to the message today, this is um, about the third time I've had to speak uh, this semester. The first message, I, I'm not expecting you to remember all the other ones, so I'm going to give you a refresher. So the first one talked about God's ways are not our ways, and that when he gives us his commands, um, he is giving them as an act of love, and we can trust him even when they don't make sense. The second one in October uh, talked about what God does when we sin. We explored the, the story of Cain and Abel and, and looked at God's gracious correction of Cain even as he administered justice. And today, as you can see, uh, we are going to celebrate communion. And this is really the third part of, of the, how I see my preaching this semester is God's loving permanent solution to our sin. And I love communion uh, because it's the one part of the service that's not about me. See, for some of us, probably for many of us, we come in, we sit in chapel, uh, you choose your seat, maybe because of how much you want to be engaged. You give uh, the music a few minutes maybe to figure out, do I like it today? Do I not like it today? You give the speaker 30 seconds, a minute to say, do I want to listen today or do I not want to listen today? Am I going to put my earbuds in or not? Okay. Actually, I, probably, I wasn't, didn't know whether I should tell you this, but I'm going to anyway. So uh, before every time that I preach, I walk through all the aisles of, of the chapel praying for you. And, um, and today I had a thought come to my mind, which I never had come to my mind before. And I, I don't know the, whether it was a good thing or not, but I had the thought of, Lord, please just make all the, the AirPods, earbuds, anything like that, just fritz out today. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good prayer or not. Um, but as I walk through the aisles, I pray that the Holy Spirit would flow through this place. That whether you want to be here or not, whether you're just here for chapel credit or whether you come hungry for what God has for you today, that if you're in the room, the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to flow through you and over you and that you would hear what God has for you today. And so that was my prayer. Um, anyway, back to communion. We all, I, when I come to church, I do the same thing. It's easy for me to get into preference mode. Do I like what I hear? Do I not like what I hear? But communion is a reset for me because there's no preference there. It's just about God's love. It's just about what God has done because he loves us regardless of what we do. And so I'd like to talk today to explore God's gift of communion for us. And, and to do so, I'd like for us to turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and tell a couple of stories. And so because I was storytelling, I was in this storytelling mindset today, I decided to wear my best John Bray, Mr. Rogers storytelling sweater. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay. It's like almost exactly except different color, all right? So this is my John Bray storytelling sweater uh, today. And I want to tell the story of the Church of Corinth, but I also want to tell you a little bit about my story of faith. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to look at three parts of this story as the Apostle Paul writes to the church because basically they were messing up communion. So hear the word of the Lord from the first part of this passage, starting in verse 17. Paul says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. 
In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So let me give you a little context. In that day, the church got together, um, scholars think, probably on a daily basis. And they would get together for teaching, for eating, for celebrating the Lord's Supper. And so when they got together, it was kind of like an early church potluck, or I guess what you call it here, a carry-in lunch. Is that what we call it here, carry-in potluck? Something like that. Anyone, anybody, everybody brings food to share. But the difference was, in that situation, they would have it in the homes of rich people. And the rich people's homes were divided into a couple of different areas. There was kind of an inner living room type of place where the rich folks would get to sit and eat. And so they would bring all their good food into the living room area where they would get to sit and eat. And the poor folks would have to stay what's called the atrium, kind of the foyer out there. And people in the atrium could see into the living room area so they could see the rich folks having their good food and the poor folks would come and they wouldn't have much to share. And so there's this very clear divide um, in the church that reflected how society thought about the differences between people. And Paul said, you guys are just missing it completely. You're coming to celebrate the oneness in Christ that Christ brings to you. You are coming to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus dying for every one of you, but you're messing it all up because you're breaking apart the body, the church, even as you break apart the bread which represents Christ's body. He says, this is not to be. You need to understand how radically Christ is desiring to reorient your lives. And so Paul writes this letter, really starts out with pretty harsh criticism for them, saying you need a, a radical reorientation for how you see Christ and this celebration of his death and resurrection. So then he goes into the part of, of the passage which he says, here's how you're supposed to uh, celebrate it. And if you've been in the church growing up, have had communion uh, regularly, you've heard this passage probably a lot. So verses 23 through 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this drink, eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, as a pastor, um, I've served communion hundreds of times over the past 25 years. And every time I come to this passage, I'm struck by how uh, Christ's actions and attitude are reported. This, the early part of the story says, on the night he was betrayed. And if you've heard this a bunch, it's easy just to pass over that. Say, yeah, okay, we know Jesus was betrayed. But on the night that Jesus' closest friends turned him over, walked away, said, I don't know you. On that very night, 
he was ready to sacrifice himself. His sacrifice had nothing to do with the loyalty or the faithfulness of his followers. It had completely everything to do with his love. And so he tries to teach his followers. He takes this bread, which we're going to do in a little bit, and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, which is for you, foreshadowing um, his body that is going to be hung on the cross within not too, uh, not too long of a time after that. He says, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise between God and human beings. The promise of God's love to people who are still enemies of his. Or as Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, this is for you. He says, and whenever you eat this, whenever you drink this, you say something about me, you don't say something about you. He says, whenever you eat this and whenever you drink this, you announce or you proclaim my death until I come again. And so he's laying out kind of the basics, a reminder, and it's kind of a silly reminder if you think about it, but a reminder that communion is completely about Christ. It is completely about him. And so as we approach this table, he's setting us up to reflect on what our attitudes and our actions say about Jesus as we come to the table. And he says, so he has the, the first part, which is criticism, the second part, which are instructions. Then he moves to the third part and he says, I've got a warning for you. So hear these words of warning from verses 27 through 32. It says, so then, in other words, because of what I've just told you about the death of Jesus, what I've just told you about his sacrifice for people, his giving of himself, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. So I grew up a uh, Christian home. Uh, my mom helped me uh, pray to receive Christ in my heart the day after my sixth birthday. Uh, my dad was a pastor. Any pastor's kids in the house who want to admit it? Okay. Um, sorry. For those who are pastor's kids, that makes total sense to you. Um, and, and I grew up great Christian home great church. I learned to love Jesus. Um, I learned what the Christian life looked like. My parents were great models of integrity. But I grew up with kind of a twisted sense of what God wanted for me. Uh, see, I grew up with a real performance mindset. I was an athlete, so there's always statistics and scores and playing time to determine whether I'm worthy or not. I was an honor student, so there are always grades class rankings, test scores to determine how worthy I was. I was a pastor's kid, so there were always people watching to tell me how worthy I was of being a pastor's kid. In fact, in sixth grade, when I, where I wasn't a very good kid, there was a friend of mine in the public school who came up to me, he's like 11 or 12, 
He said, you're a pastor's kid, right? I said, yeah. He says, your friend John isn't a pastor's kid. Why is he so much better of a Christian than you are? Is that brutal or what? I'm going, shut up. You know, so I punched him. So to prove, to prove how bad of a Christian I was. So, um, you know, so I grew up in this performance mentality and I learned how to perform. So at church and at home, I was the good Christian pastor's kid. And at school, not so much. And, and so I would come to communion and I would read this passage which says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And then a couple verses later it says, that is why many of you, many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. And that's the way of the Bible saying that some people had gotten sick and even died because of taking communion inappropriately. And I, I didn't think that God was going to kill me if I ate communion wrong or took communion wrong. But I really had a sense that I wasn't performing well as a Christian and that I wasn't worthy to take communion. And so for a lot of times, for years, middle school, high school, college, I just didn't take communion because I didn't feel worthy to take communion. I don't know if any of you feel like that at all. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that or anything. Um, I think I really missed the point. That when this passage talks about eating and drinking in a worthy manner, it's not asking you the question, how good of a Christian have you been this week? It's not asking you the question, do you deserve God's love and grace this week or not? It's not asking you to measure a standard and saying, have you reached the bar? Have you done enough good things this week to deserve taking communion? And that's the way I saw it. And so communion became a thing for me that I dreaded, not that I looked forward to. Um, but God has a sense of humor, so he made me a pastor where I had to serve communion a lot. Okay, And so I figured... I have to figure this out. And I realized that as I served communion, I almost never read the verses after the instructions. I only read the verses about Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body. After supper, he took the cup. This is uh, the blood of the new covenant. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me so that you will announce or proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And I almost never read the part afterwards. And I said, I got to figure this out. And so I started doing research, I started studying, I started trying to figure out, am I really seeing God correctly in this? And I realized that over the years I was missing out on what God wanted for me because I was seeing him wrongly. I realized that God wasn't impressed with me when I did well and he wasn't mad at me when I sinned. He didn't love me more when I was obedient and love me less when I was unfaithful. And I want you to hear that today. God loves you with all that he is when you're at your most obedient. And God loves you with all that he is when you're in your worst sin. God loves you. And he offers us this celebration as a reminder of his love to us. In many ways... 
we are most worthy of celebrating communion when we have the deepest understanding of the depths of our sin. It's not we are most worthy when we have been the best Christian. It's we are most worthy when we realize, God, I am so messed up that I cannot do this without you. We are most worthy when we come to him with a spirit of humility, a spirit of need, a spirit of understanding that no matter how hard I try, I cannot please you, that I need your Holy Spirit. I need the saving work of Jesus Christ to transform me from the inside out, not just help me to work better to manage my sin this week. And as I started switching that mindset, I came to look forward to this table in a different way. In fact, at my former, the church our family went to uh, in Arkansas before we moved here, one of the reasons that we chose that church is because they served communion every week. I grew up in a church that served it once a month. Some of you grew up in churches that's once a quarter. Some of you are weekly, some once a year. Um, But it became such a part of understanding God's grace for me that we actually chose a church because of how often they served communion. See, the problem with the Corinthians wasn't particularly that they were sinning. The problem with the Corinthians was that they had a sense of entitlement. They had a sense of being okay with who they are, who they were. They didn't understand their need for God to radically transform their lives because they didn't have an understanding of the depth of their sin. And so when Paul writes to them about coming to the table inappropriately, he says not that you are unworthy to take this, but that you are taking it in an unworthy manner. That's a difference. People are not unworthy to take this, but followers of Christ, when they come to take this, we can do it in an unworthy manner when we don't recognize, when we don't discern the body of Christ, when we don't recognize our absolute desperate need for the work that Jesus did on the cross. And when we recognize that need, we come to him in a different posture. We come to him with a different attitude. We come to him with a different understanding of the people around us. We would never come to the table that celebrates Christ's self-sacrificial love in an attitude of pride and arrogance and humility and thinking ourselves better than other people because we wouldn't recognize what God had done. So we're going to invite you to the table here in just a minute. I'm going to ask the choir and uh, the worship team to come back up here as they're going to lead us uh, in some singing while we do this. But I want to give some instructions because we don't do this often uh, here in chapel. And I want to um, give you, after some instructions some time to do some reflection. So here's how we're going to do communion. First of all, uh, communion here is uh, known as an open table. You don't have to be a Wesleyan to come to the table. You don't have to be any any certain denomination, whatever. All that's required to come to the table is a recognition that you need Jesus and saying, "I, I am following Jesus because I need him. We, we do this by a method called intinction, which is a fancy way of saying we take bread and we dip it in juice. Okay? 
And so as you come to the front, or there will be tables uh, up in the balcony on either side, uh, some of our student ministry leaders will be there, one with a loaf of bread, one with a cup. You'll have the opportunity to tear off a piece of the bread as they say to you, this is the body of Christ which is given for you. You'll dip it in the cup as one of them will say, uh, this is the blood of Christ which is shed for you. If you have gluten issues, there will be a gluten-free table over here on this side, and we encourage you to go over there. Uh, this is also an opportunity for us to uh, be sensitive to the people around us uh, and recognize that we take this, uh, take this ceremony in groups of other people. With a lot of people walking back and forth, it's easy to think that, oh, we can just chat together or whatever, but... Um, if we do that, it can really uh, hamper the opportunities that other people have to be reflecting on what God is doing in your life, in their lives. And so I'd encourage you to come quietly. I'd also encourage you, for some of you, you might say, it's really important for me to take this with other people. And so if you want to come with a group of friends, that's great. If you just want to come individually, that's great. And it's completely optional. You don't get extra chapel credit for taking communion today, okay? <laughs> so... Um, that was good up there. <laughs> so, okay. so, um, so I encourage you as you come to reflect. And we're going to give you about two minutes before the band starts playing after I read this passage and pray of silence. And silence in a big room seems weird sometimes. It seems like it's longer than it is. Um, but I encourage you to reflect and to say, Jesus, let me know how much I need you. Help me to come and eat and drink in a worthy manner today. So hear the words of the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And when we do so, we will announce, we will proclaim to the world the beautiful love of Jesus Christ who died for us until he comes again. Let's pray. Our dear Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for your sacrificial love for us. We thank you so much for laying down your life for for us when we were still sinners, when we were still your enemies, when we had done nothing to deserve it. Lord, we thank you for your grace that not only saves us, but sustains us every day, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, transforms us into your image more and more each day. Lord, we need you desperately. Help us to eat and drink in a manner worthy of you as we come today. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll ask the student chaplains and worship leaders to come and be prepared, and then after a couple of minutes, you can come forward when you're ready. <laughs>